We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 246. Yankees beat the Red Sox two out of three. It was a weird, weird series because uh, just a bunch of blowouts, which I don't think was expected. Yeah, usually when you have these games, they're they're much closer. Uh, we had a whole bunch of top-heavy games. Luckily, it swayed into the Yankees' favor for two of them because if it was the third game that was the Red Sox, uh, you know, putting on a, a big number against the Yankees after our boy Sonny Gray goes out there and does absolutely nothing. Uh, it would have been a different tone today, absolutely different tone. But luckily, they came out yesterday hot and destroyed David Price. <laughs> it was uh, it was an eventful weekend for, for us, for Bronx Pinstripes, because of the event on Friday night. It was so much fun. Uh, the energy in the stadium was exactly what we thought it was going to be. Playoff-type na- atmosphere. Everyone was at the bar early. The bars were packed. People were excited. It was hot. It was definitely hot this weekend in, in, in the stadium. But that's kind of what uh, what made it a cool event because it felt like summer. It felt like just the Yankees and Red Sox are the only two teams in baseball that matter. And I love when that is the fact, when that is the case. Well, and, and the nice thing about this is when the Yankees, in a game like this, when you have a whole bunch of people sitting in the, together, uh, for these for these events, when you have the Yankees jump on top early and like there's some good offense early, 
the place starts getting like the the buzz starts building and then building and building mm-hmm. and building and then there's like a tipping point where it just goes just you know insane and and you just act like a lunatic and and that happened a number of times because there were you know what four home runs um, they got to Rodriguez early and CC came out and just absolutely you know threw a gem so it was it was a really great scenario thank God CC pitched on Friday night and we didn't ha- mm. didn't have CC or uh, Sonny Gray again thank God. Can- can you imagine if we had no i can't yeah no i can't i don't been. even want to I, I i put myself there for a minute i'm like, and i took myself out of it because i'm like yeah, that did not happen so we're good i felt bad for all those people on saturday too. who spent upwards of 150 dollars on tickets to go and watch that trash it, uh we're gonna get into our boy sunny gray uh but it was just a really fun event like i said i saw a lot of people for the second time, third time, familiar faces coming out to the event, which is really cool. People came in from Virginia, California, uh, Canada. We had some Tennessee, people from the UK. U- UK. So people are traveling for these things, which every time blows me away that people actually are doing that and makes me appreciate it so much. Um, and it's just really a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a blast. There were definitely a whole bunch of people that have been to pretty much all of the events, even going back to June. Um, and it, it's just now now at this point, we're, you know, we're seeing each other. We know each other. We've talked a whole bunch of times and uh, it's it's becoming this this tight knit group. And that's that's exactly how I kind of envisioned it in my head. And uh, it's, it's playing out. It's been a lot of fun. This uh, this last one was no exception. Um, so now we gear up for the next one. We've been doing uh, we're doing every month this this season because we're lunatics. We're we're doing an event every month. This uh, this next one is July twenty second. Uh, it's going to be the Sunday night game against the New York Mets. So you can go to the fan shop and get your tickets on there right now and and get them soon because they're definitely they're definitely selling really well right now. And uh, we we probably have about the same amount of tickets that we had for the Red Sox game, which was you know three hundred to, to three hundred and twenty. And I expect it to sell out. So. This is going to be a fun one. The pregame is going to be at the Bronx Brewery, um, so you're getting the uh, the beer deal there. Uh, the pregame at the brewery inside, and then we go. We're usually in the backyard. They have all sorts of games, cornhole. They have the the life size Jenga, uh, so that's a lot of fun. And and then we'll be uh, going to the stadium. Obviously, sitting in section two hundred five. So go get your get your crew together and get your uh, get your tickets. And we'll we'll honor that same deal if you get a crew of. Uh, 10 or more for your game if you captain that crew then your ticket is free for the game so uh, you just got to shoot me an email at info at bronx pinstripes and we'll make sure it gets all set up and it's 87 bucks for the for the ticket package correct yes i think that's correct yes yeah and 187 dollars for mets fans yeah double that (laughs) if i see if i like like in any i I try to i look through things okay i do some PI detective work, and if I if I could detect any kind of sniff of the other, the opponent, I will uh, I will refund. So well, when you get an email uh, registration, MetsFan47 yeah. at gmail.com, I think it's pretty obvious. The beauty of this is now that we're starting to sell out some of these games, it doesn't matter. I will refund that money immediately, and the ticket <laughs> will still get sold to a Yankee fan. So don't worry about it. Uh, um, you guys, uh, you, you know, from following us on social media or just from listening to the show that we went to the pitch CC in event. It was a celebrity softball game last Thursday at Yankee stadium. Uh, me and Dom went, 
Uh, next episode, so Thursday's episode, we're going to have a segment where Dom and I recap everything that happened. We attended the red carpet, which was a lot of fun. All the celebrities were coming in. There were a ton of people there. Actually, more Yankees players, current Yankee players. Yeah, came than they through. actually said. I don't even think they were planning on it. I think they probably were just at Yankee Stadium, maybe doing some some work, getting some training work, and they're like, "Oh, some some events going on upstairs. Let me go roll through because." Some guys just rolled through in gym shorts and stuff like that. So it was awesome. Uh, we had a chance to speak to Cece, Didi, Sonny Gray, which was interesting. Carlos Beltran, David Robertson, Jorge Posada, and Pete Rosenberg. Um, we have audio from all of that, which will be um, the segment, like I said, on the next episode. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. I know a lot of people are are interested to hear if I gave Sonny Gray the business. Yeah, I was very interested to hear, and I was very disappointed to, to know that Sonny was there, and I was supposed to be at this event, and something came up with work at the last second, and I couldn't go. So shout out to Dom for, uh, for, for stepping up, even though it was a freaking awesome, <laughs> it was an awesome uh, thing to step up to. But it was, um, yeah, good, good, good on him for, for getting out there so we could get to a, a two-man crew out to this thing. But I was very jealous when I saw that Sonny Gray was there because I would have loved to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and we also went up to the press box during the actual softball game and we're tweeting from up there. So like I said, Dom and I are going to recap everything. You guys know we've been telling you about SeatGeek for a while now. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. <clears throat> SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and they are fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've used SeatGeek. I know Scott has used SeatGeek. You guys have heard me say I took my girlfriend to a Broadway show using SeatGeek, and that won me a lot of points. So, uh, fellas out there, maybe maybe treat your lady to a, a nice Broadway show. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices to find amazing deals. You get the most bang for your buck. Um, you should make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports concerts to comedy and theater. So all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app uh, and enter code BRONX, and you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX, and you get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. You mentioned, Scott, that uh, thank God Sabathia was pitching on Friday night. Sabathia is and continues to be the big game pitcher that the Yankees need. I mean, he's the, he's the guy, if everybody remembers last year, uh, when, he would, when, when the Yankees would lose, the guy that you need on the mound is CeCe Sabathia. He's has been the stopper, really taking that. And it's funny because the parallels between Andy Pettit of being the stopper and CeCe now being the stopper and the, and the, the fact that their careers are, are a similar parallel in the sense that they've, you know, had to re kind of tool and re, uh, you know, redo themselves to, to pitch later into the, uh, into their career. So he was amazing again. And there's uh, I think when you're looking at who's on the bump on a game like that after, uh, you know, the whole the whole Tampa debacle, like that's the guy you want. A lot of people were, were saying, and I saw the the narrative after Sabathia's performance, which was excellent. Seven innings, six hits, only one run, only one walk, struck out five guys. He was into some minor trouble in the third inning. He worked out of it. Defense helped him out. But a lot of people were saying, well, maybe Sabathia can be the Yankees number two in the playoffs. And I'm not doubting that. But I still think... Um, I don't think that's going to be enough if you're Brian Cashman. 
to have confidence going into the playoff with just Severino and Sabathia. Because as good as Sabathia can be and as good as he was in the playoffs last year, what we saw was he, 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 he gives you four, maybe five innings in the playoffs and he keeps you in the games. But it, he, it's, he struggles to get deeper uh, when it's that late in the season, I think. Well, yeah, and I just don't think that's something that you can rely on. I mean, yes, it could absolutely be the case. If, if uh, CC is, is ready to go, pitching well towards the end of the season, and, and you know he's lining up for that, I don't think Boone would ever hesitate to use him in a big spot in a big game. Um, it's just, it's, that's something to, it's very difficult to rely on that when you know that, uh, again, he's an older guy, you just, you just don't know um, the, the surrounding health reasons. Like, there's, there's just things that can happen when you're an older guy. So being completely reliant on him as your number two would, would be kind of irresponsible if they're, you know, if I'm, if you're looking at it from a perspective of like, you need to depend on this guy for the second start. And, you know, I think that's unfair to say, you know, we don't know how Tanaka is going to come back. He was pitching a lot better until he, uh, he pulled up lame, but you know, hopefully he could come back and, and, and stay within that form because Tanaka is also a guy that, has pitched very well down the stretch, and again last year we shot we saw it, you know last year where where he started the season rough, very rough, and and finished extremely well and pitched well into the playoffs. Yeah, and maybe Tanaka having a couple weeks off, or at this point it's been a month off, will actually help him later in the season stay fresh. It, yeah, it certainly can it certainly can't hurt. The only thing it, it will hurt, I guess, is the rhythm that he has because it seems like the past couple years he's he's taken a little bit to get you know into the rhythm that he needs and I don't know if that has to do with you know them him feeling more comfortable when it's the summertime and it's uh it's hotter out and he gripped the ball a little bit better I mean people don't want to hear that as an excuse but in reality it is an actual thing people a lot of these guys do pitch better when the weather is warmer they can grip the ball better and their body's just a little bit more loose it's it's a real thing whether you want to admit it or not Um, and he just might be one of those guys well, he'll have August and September to get back into a rhythm. Yeah, he well, no, that's true. By it, but again, we just have to. We may have. We may have a little bit of a delay again. Hopefully not, but we may have that. Um, the Yankees hit Eddie Rodriguez, which was which was big because the last time Rodriguez pitched against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, he shut them down. They bashed four homers. Greg Bird. Kind of interestingly enough, when Brandon Jury shows up on the roster, finally he shows up with two homers and Duhar to, uh, a two-run homer and then Judge a two-run homer. So Bird, everyone was ready to give up on Bird, plug Brandon Jury in there, who did play against Chris Sale. That's another thing. That sucks, right? Brandon Jury, finally, Mr. AAA All-Star finally gets called up and it's like, all right, here you go. Have fun going to face Chris Sale. Yeah, you've been, you've been going against AAA pitching for the past two months or a month and a half and the first guy you're going to face is Chris Sale. It didn't work out very well. He struck out a whole bunch of times. But Bird was, it was funny because we were sitting at the game and I literally, like, the, the pitch before Bird hit the first home run, uh, Frank was sitting next to me and I said, and I was just complaining about Bird. He hasn't done jack shit all season. Pop! <laughs> it's right at us basically and uh and goes deep so look it's good to see that he he did uh have those two home runs because the Yankees need him to get going again they need him to be that thumper uh and hopefully he can you know earn himself and work himself back up to the the top of that of that lineup so we've been talking about when are we going to see Brandon Jury and I think because they were facing three lefties uh all weekend yep. they wanted that extra right-handed bat it was probably going to be Tyler Austin but Tyler Austin, in classic Tyler Austin form, had some back issues. So Brandon Jury was their only option. 
Well, do you think Brandon? Do you think Brandon Jury is staying on the roster? It, it, and if it seems like he gonna is. fit, yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like he is because I mean, Boone even went on on record saying that you know he's earned this spot. He's probably going to be up here for the rest of the season. So Boone is saying that out loud, and, and it's not just a, a private thought. That's something that well, he said. If that's true, good. I, I'm happy right. about that. He deserves but, it. But I, but I think that if if he's gonna get playing time, I don't see how Neil Walker stays on this team. I totally agree, and I'm, this is, we talked about this last episode. There, there's something he's got to give because if you if you have Neil Walker and a, a guy like Brandon Drury, they're they're pretty much duplicate players. They play the same positions, and and now we can say that Drury does play first base, right? Because that they've brought him up, they've put him at first base. So I think we can all say that yes, he will play first base, and the Yankees have no problem putting him there. And if that's the case, then Neil Walker le- legitimately has no no place on this team any longer. There's just no reason for it. So they're going to have to cut him at some point. Maybe that uh, that magic July 4th date, the, the, the Chris Carter date of the last <laughs> game that he played, is what we're waiting for. And, and it's, uh, it, I wouldn't even say that the Neil Walker experiment was a failure because they did need him. When when their first base was a hole, they needed just a warm body there. Well, that's like saying um, the Chris Carter experiment was wasn't a failure because it was the same situation. They needed a warm body, but it was a no, failure because at least Neil Walker provided you adequate defense and versatility. I guess Chris Carter was just a traffic cone at first base. I'm looking at the Neil Walker signing a thousand percent as saying it was a failure, and and it was purely on Neil Walker's side not hitting, and just nothing. N- there was nothing there written. On the on the wall to say that Neil Walker wasn't going to hit. There wasn't the you know the the strikeout numbers that we saw from Carter that were still looming in the background that everybody knew were there that could pop up and, and look really really ugly when you get you know selective playing time. Neil Walker is a professional hitter. Everybody kind of was on the same page with that. Well, this guy will hit. Well, this guy will hit, and he just didn't hit. So if it I'm looking at it, I see span where he hit. Yeah, <laughs> it was exactly. a two week span where he hit. No, I I maybe and it's they were just timely because hits. I don't. I don't dislike Neil Walker Probably. the way I dislike Chris Carter. And where we saw the Yankees relying on Carter to provide them something in, a, in the middle of the order at times. They never did with that with Neil Walker. Neil Walker was a nine hitter, and that's all they needed him to be. And he was a bad nine hitter, but whatever. No. It didn't hurt him. That's Maybe the, it's because it didn't hurt him. I guess. It, didn't, it did not hurt the team. And he, he played with his eyes open, so that was helpful. As far as looking at the, you know, it's just the the optics are bad when you're looking at Carter over there just doing the things that he does. And then you look at Neil Walker, who is, uh, you know, you could tell is struggling is like it's all over his face that he's frustrated and, and it's just not working. And I don't know, for whatever reason, he didn't bother me as much either. But it's definitely a failure. It, it is. There's no way to there's no way to really sugarcoat that he did not do anything that he was supposed to do. Well, if, if offense Cashman. If Brian Cashman cuts him tomorrow, I don't think any. I think it gets like maybe an hour of play on Twitter, and then people just move past it. Whereas right. people were were really eviscerating the Chris Carter signing last. Because Chris year. Carter was a meme. That's why Chris yeah. Carter was a meme. He was he was a social media like darling because he was so bad. Almost, you know, it was like he was he was at some point getting revered because he was so awful and. Uh, but I guess people were, you know, acknowledging the fact that he got to the major leagues with his eyes closed. That's impressive. That is an impressive feat. But but Neil Walker is just a guy that you expect to do well and to do good things at the plate, and he just didn't do it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – I don't think anybody's going to care. They should just get rid of it, move on. Brandon Drury's not that guy. Yeah, and let, let Brandon Drury 
uh, do that role. Speaking of memes, I had someone last night tweet me the, you know, the Spider-Man meme where they're just pointing at each other. Yes. Of yes. Uh, in reply to the Vanderbilt bums, Sonny Gray and David Price, and it it's just perfect. No, it's it's they they are. There's so many pictures of the two of them together, and they just have those stupid cheesed out smiles. And uh, yeah, they both. They both lost their games with uh, the opponent scoring eleven runs. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty freaking <laughs> terrible. And it's it, it's just they both they're they're friends in college at Vanderbilt. Both uh, both, I guess, nice Tennessee guys, um, and both cannot handle the pressures of Yankee Stadium. It's on one hand hilarious to watch and we enjoy it so much watching the Yankees continue to bash David Price's brains in and he's making 30 million dollars a year for the next what is it four, four years after this year yeah right it's so I, it's I understand contract. that's a hell of a lot worse situation than the Yankees are in with Sonny Gray but what Sonny Gray did on Saturday was just so horrendous crapped himself in a big spot he, he got the first two guys out and look good. Look good for the first two batters. Whatever, I'm like, first two guys. I know, I know, but the, but but I'm saying, like, as you're starting that game, you're like, okay, okay. He looks dialed in. He looks like he's <laughs> he's uh, you know he's throwing hard. He's his he's, stuff was good. He was working ahead. <laughs> his stuff is good. Two batters in, and then it all went to hell. And it wasn't even like J.D. Martinez, a little infield single. Yeah. Brush that off. Move past it. Go attack Mitch Moreland. Nope. Walk, Walk. Mitch Moreland. Xander Bogarts a single. And then Devers on an 0-2 pitch, I believe it was, a hanging curveball up in the zone. Devers wasn't crushed. It was one of those Yankee Stadium left field home runs, but it was still a frigging grand slam. And Devers went 5-for-5 five five on the game. As soon as that ball left the bat and landed in the left field seats, Sonny Gray was, was toast. He had no shot. Nothing. And it's a damn shame, too, because he actually, he, he got a, a, you know... There was so much respect for for Judge's arm too in right field that there were runs held up because of that. Like he had another opportunity to put up a zero and still couldn't do it. And and then you're right. Ever since uh, after that, it was just uh, it was mayhem for Sonny Gray. He was a disaster, an absolute disaster. He was booed off the mound. the The stadium only came alive because they had nothing to cheer about. Because Chris Sale, the game was over from the hit. freaking beginning. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see Chris Sale across there, and you see a grand slam given up in the first inning. That's demoralizing. And I understand that the Yankees were were in a hole that game anyway because of Sale and and because he was so good. But what they were able to do last year against Chris Sale, where I believe they went uh, four and one in in Chris Sale starts last year, is because. The other pitcher, the Yankees pitcher, was able to keep them in the game. And once it got to the bullpen, or once it got to the seventh inning, you could work sales pitch count up, get him out of the game. Exactly the the uh, game plan from the Pedro Martinez days. Right. And if Sonny Gray just get, gave them a chance, keep him in that game, keep two runs, five innings, maybe your bullpen can come in, shut the door, and you can get to the Red Sox bullpen, which is inferior to yours. So I understand you're never going to just crush Chris Sale, just like you're never going to crush Luis Severino. But all you can do as an oppose, uh, opponent at that point is stay in the game. Stay in the game and give yourself a, ch- a chance. Sonny Gray, he said it to his credit after after the game. One out of, one, one out of five days, I don't give my team a chance to win. Yeah, uh, so a couple of things. People were giving him credit, as you just did, to being honest and 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 like telling the truth at the end of a game. Well, I, I'm not giving him any credit for this, okay? Because this is something that he should have been doing from freaking the beginning of the season. This kid had come out and, and just been, you know, 
denying the fact that he has been so freaking bad to the media and, and just giving these stupid, stupid, robotic, weird answers. And then finally he comes out because honestly, if you were to come out and say anything else at this point, after what just happened at Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox, like you're a sociopath. Something is wrong with you. So, you know, at least he's not that, at least for for the time being, I, I think he's not a sociopath. But if you if you say anything else, like something's something's going on, you have to say that. You have no choice at that moment. And he's right. When when the Yankees are going out there and these guys like uh, Lois Ega are pitching well and Herman minus the, his last start are pitching well, but you as Sonny Gray as the the guy that come in as the 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 number two who should be the number two, we're having talks right now about who's going to be the number two in the playoffs because Sonny Gray has been terrible all year. It's not just one start. So I can't give this guy any credit for for coming out and saying something finally. It's just, you know, it's finally like, okay, I'm glad you woke up, but how about we step things up and how about we actually, uh, you know, go back and get yourself a routine for home and away and let's get better instead of being a little, I just, you know, he was, those comments were driving me nuts too, because people were like, oh my God, I love Sonny Gray now because he's so humble and blah, blah, blah. I don't think anyone was saying that. No, it was all over. It was on Twitter and it was, and it was too much. It was too much. There was too much credit going around for Sonny Gray for being honest with himself as he should have been from the day one. Okay. I get that. But fans appreciate when players are, are, uh, accountable for their suckiness. Well, fine, but you don't have a choice when you do it, when you're that bad. You have well, to. even Brian Cashman said uh, said that it was. I think he said it was helpful that Sonny Gray. Well, no shit, it was, was helpful. Yeah. he's like finally Sonny Gray actually admitted that he was bad to the media. Like, thank yes, you, it was Sonny. infuriating watching Sonny Gray go out there and give up five runs in four innings, and then after the game, yes. say, "Well, I thought my stuff was good." That is absolutely infuriating. Well, what's worse than that is then when he comes back out and does another bad job, you're saying like, does this guy even acknowledge that he's doing a bad? Is he changing things? Because the way that he's talking to the media and talking to the fans, it sounds like he doesn't think anything's wrong. And, and that's where I'm looking at. I'm like, you're a professional baseball player. Like, fix your shit. Get back. Get it. Like, get your uh, get your routine correct. Like, that was still the the, the glaring thing from the R two C two podcast is that he has no routine that he's stuck with for his, his entire career. Ne- his he, routine is Netflix and chill. Yeah, but before games, how about watching some game film? Yeah, how about like, we study? Watch a movie? How about we go through? Let's let's do some visualization. You know, let's 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 you know watch the game before it happens. I don't know. Do some meditating. Do something different. Change he's it up. Like, He's watching episodes of The Americans or whatever. And if you're going to just watch some mindless uh, TV or movie, maybe put on that Kevin Costner movie for Love of the Game. At least that guy pitched a perfect game in that. Maybe Sonny Gray can channel some of that energy. He was watching Peaky Blinders. I couldn't get past the first episode because of the accents. It was driving me nuts. But... Whatever. I think you got to watch it with subtitles on. <laughs> the The fact is, that this guy was finally admitting it. It looked like he was finally beaten down to a point where he could admit that he was bad, and that's great. Okay, great. Well, the first step to recovery is admitting that's you have true. a problem. That's so, fine. is this the first step to his recovery? I I, I hope so, but I have no confidence <laughs> in uh, in saying that because I wonder why you have no confidence. Because considering highest ERAs in, at Yankee Stadium, minimum thirteen starts. Sonny Gray, the highest, 7.1. Next, Carl Pavano, 6.12. And then Jarrett Wright, 5.93. Sonny Gray tops a list that also includes Carl friggin' Pavano and Jarrett friggin' Wright. That is horrible. 
though I mean, when you look at the entire list too, there's a whole bunch of names on there that that make you laugh immediately. And I think Jeff Weaver's on that list. There's there's a lot of guys that are on that list. Uh, Javi Vasquez uh, version two, I'm sure, is on that list. This and that's basically what this is. This is that's what this has become. This has become yes. the the Javi Vasquez trade all over again. I mean, literally, it's it's a there's a lot of parallels to to what we're seeing, and and Sonny needs to fix it. I I, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how or what, because, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's not hurt. And, and, and I think that's to me when I'm looking at him and, and he's not injured, like that's the most concerning thing is if there were an injury, not that I'm rooting for an injury by any means, but it would explain something. There's no explanation for this other than yo, why yo, why you soft kid. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. It's, it's you're hanging out with Cece. How are you? How is his toughness and like swag not rubbed off on you a little bit? I don't CC needs to, to like smack this kid around. Well, he he got his personal catcher. He, he the Yankees um, did they they allowed him to have his personal catcher. They they shuffled their their plans around to do that. Even though Boone in the preseason in spring training said I don't like personal catchers, he he backtracked on that. Gave him Austin Romine. That has not been working. It's worked. At some points, but maybe only on the road against. The I mean, you teams. can't say like it, against the Royals. Is it on the road. it's a convenient thing that it worked at that point? I mean, who's to say that he wasn't going to throw a gem with Gary Sanchez, you know, behind the plate against the freaking Royals and uh, you know and the Orioles? I think he pitched well against. Look, I'm getting even more mad as you're talking now too because you're just bringing up more points. Well, to I why was he's take, such what a I was bitch. going to bring up is that instead of the Yankees babying him, maybe they just start giving him tough, tough love. love. And and the next time he goes out there, I understand Gary Sanchez is on the DL, but the the moment Gary Sanchez is back, he's catching Sonny Gray because that gives them the best chance to win and score the most runs. And guess what? You're going to need to score a lot of runs when Sonny Gray's pitching. <laughs> yeah, true. And you know, but that's see the thing is is like if that's the tough love that they're giving him, that's pretty pathetic because that's just should be what happens you know that's the that's the the standard norm you pitch to your best catcher there's no personal catcher situation and that's the other thing about this uh about him finally admitting all this stuff that he's bad he's had an excuse every single time even even if he's not admitted it to the media but behind closed doors the personal catcher situation that's another sunny gray excuse like leaning on another guy as a reason why you're struggling all the matter all the whole time you're not looking in the mirror at the one guy who actually matters and you know, maybe this is it. Maybe he finally admitted. Maybe he got embarrassed enough that he's like, "All right, I need to, I need to change things up and buckle down." Because to me, that's it. It seems like a preparation thing. It seems like a mental issue, and he's just not going out there and and mentally prepared for these games. And that bothers me a lot. I think we're at a point, a very critical point in Sonny Gray's Yankees career, where this was probably the low point. Would you agree? I hope so, <laughs> for everybody's sake. No, uh, to, but to this point, don't you think this has been his worst start? Oh, You're, God, it's yes. It's a Saturday night game against the Red Sox, the two best teams in baseball, and he goes out there and lays that dump. Even if it wasn't so, the worst baseball, it was the worst. Uh, I mean, it was pretty pretty damn bad, but it was the scenario absolutely escalated it. So we'll see where he goes from here. His next start's going to come on the road. We'll see where he goes from here. And I, I won't believe it until I see him at home against a decent opponent, honestly. I really won't. Right. But, but at this point, he can sort of say, I've, I've hit rock bottom. So I, I can only go up from here. And we'll see. I think we're going to look back at this, this start on Saturday night and say this was either the end of Sonny Gray as a Yankee or the beginning of the, the Sonny Gray we've come to love. The continuation of the end because it hasn't been good from the beginning. Yeah, well, thank God for Luis, Luis Severino, oh who, if the Yankees had lost this game, this uh, Sunday night game, 
and they had lost the series after the win they had on Friday night, it would have been extremely disappointing. No, no doubt about it. The, the thank, thankfully, Severino was pitching that anchor game and came out and just was so freaking. I'm, I'm falling in love with this guy more and more every time he goes out on the mound because he is he's got the tenacity. He he uh, you know he you can tell that he's in the zone every time he steps up and grabs that ball. And he's just so freaking good. The, he's developing. We, we talked about it last episode. And we're going to get into it in a minute. But that changeup, if that changeup, mm-hmm. I tweeted this last night, if that changeup becomes an elite pitch, that's three elite pitches. And he used it in a big situation last night. And, uh, and it looked pretty goddamn elite last night. It was almost like uh, um, we, we – we highlighted that exact scenario on the last podcast. Yeah. Will he use his changeup in a key situation against the Red Sox? Yep. And he did against J.D. Martinez with two runners on base. I understand it was a 6 nothing game, but J.D. Martinez has been one of the best hitters in baseball this year. If he parks one or sends one into the gap, that totally changes that, that game. Maybe the Red Sox don't bring David Price back out there to continue to crap himself. And, and it's a totally different game. And Severino had the confidence to throw back-to-back changeups against J.D. Martinez, who's leading in homers and RBIs in the American League and he threw him back-to-back change-ups and struck him out that was huge that showed me that he trusts that pitch which I was questioning on the last episode it was it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful I said in the post-game uh video I actually said Mookie Betts obviously JD Martinez uh he struck out Mookie Betts on a I think a beautiful slider it was but the that that situation was uh was a big absolutely big moment like you said if he if he goes deep right there it's a different ball game um, but you know what? Like this is like the opposite of what Sonny Gray is, because Severino is pitching to Kyle Higashikawa, who he hasn't caught, uh, hasn't caught uh, Severino since the minor leagues. Is going back and watching film from his last start uh, against the Red Sox, you know, and 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 throws the changeup, his third pitch, throws the changeup back to back to probably the hottest hitter in baseball or in the American League right now. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. That that's just saying I don't care who's catching the ball. I'm going to go out there and dominate because I have the confidence in myself and in my pitches. And I absolutely love that. Zero excuse. And good for Higgy, who took the time. You, you could tell they were not on the same page. And he said, I'm going to use a mound visit. Let's figure this out. Yeah. And for Higgy, who at that point, to that point, still was without a hit right. in the major leagues. I was so happy for him oh, to man. get that yeah, home absolutely. run. What a, what a relief. But can you imagine, I mean, I understand his number one job is to work with the pitchers, but that had to have been weighing on him. But he still, he was he was in that game, he was watching game film, like you said. The number one priority for him was, was work with Severino and have a good game behind the plate. But to not have a hit to that point kind of had to have been weighing on him and had to have been, at least it didn't let it affect him. And he, he was rewarded with the home run later in the game. Absolutely. I mean, at, at some point, baseball was going to come back and say, okay, kid, you've, you've, you've suffered long enough. Here you go. Right. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened with that home run. That was awesome. It was a really, really cool moment. And they, uh, you know, he, he talked about how Severino likes to call his own game. And that's not really something that we've, we, we hear a lot of. And we know that, Sonny, or that uh, Severino goes out there and works, works quickly. And there's usually a game plan and, and he'll go out there and he doesn't really shake off too much but I think um, whether it's Romine or Sanchez they, they have an understanding of what he wants to do in given situations because they've worked with him so often uh, the fact that Higgy goes back there hasn't worked with him you know in a couple years and, and could go out there and and really just with really with nothing uh, with nothing left on the table I mean Severino pitched great and and Higgy 
whether he was calling all the pitches or whether he was just letting Severino steer the ship, the fact that those two changeups were called and nobody shook each other off uh, at a situation like that is is really you know a pivotal point I think um, in, in that game in that situation and and it just shows how how much Severino has leveled up in such a short amount of time. So I mean, just like get it, everybody needs to get freaking ridiculously excited about this kid. Uh, uh, expectations are through the roof because he's still young. And the confidence is, uh, it's, it's endless. It's, it's amazing. And he's the opposite of David Price. When you look at him just pitch and how they work on yeah. the mound, David Price is taking 30 seconds in between pitches. And like we say every time, Severino is so fun to watch because he just says, give me the ball, I yep. want to throw it again. And as, as a viewer watching on TV, that's the best thing ever. Oh, no doubt. It's exciting. That's, that what, makes that's why John and Susan love Severino. <laughs> Right, and and just work quickly and don't take the life out of everything. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Some Severino stats. He lowered his ERA to 1.98. His ERA is sub two. It's amazing. Which is the second best in the majors behind DeGrom, who has 1.84. In Severino's last 15 starts, he's 11-1 with a 1.7 ERA. And ERA plus is 202, which is double what the average is in Major League Baseball because 100 is league average, so he's double as good. Okay, ERA plus lost me on that one, but that's a that's a good number. If anything is double the rest of the average, that's good stuff. Um, the kid is there's you know I don't know I could gush about him all day long. He's just fun to watch, and his mechanics are beautiful. By the way, they're they're absolutely beautiful. They're quiet. He has easy easy you know hundred miles an hour, which I didn't know was a thing. And it, it it plays throughout the game. Like he's got a rubber arm as well. He's he's the what goods, you, man. He's the goods. What do you think about him talking Boone into letting him stay in? I kind of love it. I kind of love the fact that Boone will, it was what, a nine nothing game though. Do you think? Do you think Boone needs to be like Sevy? I understand you're competitive. Want to go out there? You gave us six shutout innings. We have a nine nothing lead. Maybe save those bullets for when it's a two nothing. Well, I think I think Boone realizes that he doesn't need those bullets. You know, being saved are, are not really a factor for him because he can go out there and throw. I mean, maybe he should be going around a hundred pitches every single time, and they want to keep him at that number. Whereas if you're throwing, and they did keep him at ninety nine. They, they did. Yeah, pulled him at ninety nine. Boone wasn't going to let him go over a hundred during an at bat. He wasn't going to let him have a you know an eleven pitch uh, right. foul off. Uh, a marathon with anybody up there so that's when they pulled him and and, and he also got him the the standing ovation exactly pulled him in the middle of an inning that's the other thing you don't think boone realizes that you don't think boone realizes that that this guy deserves um well everything? that's a classic joe torrey move boone learned yeah. that from joe torrey absolutely used to do that all the time with roger clemens no doubt so i love it you know the one thing we haven't talked about in a while really we haven't really focused on too much is the evolution of boone so far and i think it's it's uh it's easy to kind of go past it because the team's been playing so well and the offense or the offense is good. Like the players on the team are just so good. It seems like, um, you know, you know, I think from a spectator, sometimes you take it for granted because you know, there's just, you just put those guys out there and they're going to do a good job because they're really good. But Boone has really, really navigated this season. I think very well and, and pulled a lot of the right, um, a lot of the right strings. I think he's navigated the, the pitching staff well and, you know, just just things like this. You can tell that he has the the ear and uh, and the trust of the clubhouse, and it's awesome well, we, to see. We've talked about Boone and his bullpen management, and and about him duding up. No doubt, that's true. But I, I think it I think it can get slid. You know, you can go past it very easily at this point, and not and not see just the the overall job that he's done with a but bunch of young dudes. Isn't that though really what he wants? The the ultimate goal of a baseball manager should be. 
don't get talked about. Thousand percent. Because that means you're doing a good job. Right. When people are talking about you, you've probably messed up. Right. And that's why it's easy to slide past it. And I agree with you. Usually, if you're talking about the manager, you're bitching about something. And we haven't really talked about him in a negative way in a while. Since the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah. And, you know, a, a couple a couple chase and shreve appearances here and there. But the uh, the fact that, that he does have um, the clubhouse is, and that's very apparent. That's very apparent that these guys like him and like playing for him. That that bodes well for, for the way that this season is going to go. And, and I think that's a huge thing for the chemistry of this team. Right. Like the chase and shreve thing, I almost put that more on Brian Cashman, who is keeping him on the roster. I understand Boone doesn't have to use him and maybe he could have avoided him more and then that would have forced Brian Cashman's hand. But Brian Cashman is the one who's keeping Chase and Shreve on the roster and he does not deserve to be on the roster. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say it's just Brian Cashman. These guys these guys meet together and make these decisions based on information that are that's coming from the field. I mean, Brian Cashman's not going out there and just making a decision based on what he sees. I think Brian Cashman takes consult of all of his guys, especially Aaron Boone. And Aaron Boone does have all of his guys back. I wouldn't be surprised if he was going to bat saying, look, he's, he's better than he is. Uh, this isn't who he is. And no, he's worse than he is. Well, I'm saying I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Boone was going to bat for a guy like that. Romine left Saturday's game with a hamstring injury, so uh, he probably got some tips on how to stretch his hammies out from Tanaka, which is why he had a little tight hamstring issue. MRI results were negative, so I guess Romine's day-to-day. I know there's been some reports he could be back in the lineup on Monday. So they were down a catcher on on Sunday night. If Higgy goes down, maybe we would have seen Greg Bird back there. Probably Neil Walker, but maybe Greg Bird. Yeah, that was a, it was an interesting situation. The fact that uh, the fact that Romine wasn't able to go and uh, that Higgy was the uh, the only guy. You're playing with fire at that point if you lose a catcher. Um, but thankfully, we didn't have to see that. Neil, uh, Neil Walker so would have ha- Neil Walker would have improved his value if he was back there catching. That's true. That's true. Can Chris Carter catch? It's really hard to catch 95 miles an hour, 99 miles an hour from Luis Severino with your eyes closed. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's Severino, you'd probably uh, be a little bit easier. Just put your glove, in a, put your glove up in the air. I'll do yeah, the, well, that's I'll do what the they rest. Say. That's what they say, that it's easier to catch a, uh, fastball. a major league pitcher because and a fastball because it's going to go exactly where he's th- uh, throwing it. But uh, I don't know about that. I'm so happy the Yankees absolutely murdered David Price because I was a little worried after the 11 nothing drubbing that the Red Sox had the momentum. And if, like I said, if David Price comes out there and just pitches okay, that would have been huge for Boston. But now they're sitting there. I'm going to probably listen to Boston Sports Radio today just yeah. to hear them crap on David Price. Right. It's funny because when you're, when you're destroying David Price, and it, you know I was tweeting about a lot of David Price stats and just, I was I was just trying to crush him on Twitter last night because it was fun, and you you have a couple of Boston fans like trying to chime back, but they can't and they know it and they they hate him too. That's the it's almost like a it takes away from the um the the shit talking a little bit because they it takes away from the fun yeah because, because they hate they're him shit too. talking them even worse yeah, than we are. I know like I have I have some good friends from college who are Red, uh, Red Sox fans and it's not even fun talking shit about it because they're like yep I I, I hate him too and I'm like well shit. It's not fun like that. But, um, you know, people kept bringing up the Ellsbury, uh, the Ellsbury signing. And I laugh at you now. If you bring up the Ellsbury signing after the David Price, I laugh at you. You know why? Because Aaron Hicks is on a different planet. Aaron Hicks hit three home runs last night. And why are we worried about the Ellsbury contract at this point? It's money. Yankees have money. But guess what? We have a center fielder that's playing out of his freaking mind. So it just doesn't matter at all. 
I don't care about Ellsbury. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the contract because Aaron Hicks is playing lights out right now. And the thing I love is that David Price has actually been pretty good this year. Really good against other teams. Yeah. And he just cannot pitch against the Yankees. If he just sucked, if he was Sonny Gray out there every time and then the Yankees were not there and hit him as well, that's one thing. But for the fact, the the psychological edge that the Yankees have over David Price is so much fun. He cannot pitch against them. There's no way the, the Red Sox can throw David Price, especially in the Bronx, in a big situation. Just like the Yankees can't throw Sonny Gray in a big situation. It's a one-for-one trade. But... I'm enjoying the the laugh the laughing stock that is David Bryce. It's true. No, it's good because he's outspoken too. Uh, you know when he's talking about these things and he makes like jokes and he makes light of a situation that he might not pitch in New York and you know uh, Aaron Aaron Hicks goes out there and just uh, and just and just shows him who the real baseball player is and that he's a scratch golfer. Thank you for a Rod telling me that 15 oh, yeah. times. We hear that every time. It's the uh, it's the narrative. By the way, I listened to. Uh, some ESPN radio and I, I was driving a bunch this weekend and A-Rod was on at one point and I, every story that he told on Sunday Night Baseball I had already heard <laughs> I, I told you he has the bullet points I already heard the, the exact same stories I was like this I, I couldn't handle it last night he was terrible I, I don't know how anybody thinks he's good I really don't I, he's, I think he's, he's I think he's absolutely awful He's better in the studio when you only hear him for two to four minutes at a time. I guess so. It's tolerable at that point, but he's he's right. to me intolerable when you're listening to a baseball game. <laughs> and he's also he's he's good with Pete Rose. I don't know why Fox got rid of Pete Rose. I loved Pete Rose. Yeah, you have he's the wild card. You have two lunatics sitting in a room. One of them is uh, is a sociopath. The other one's just a b- bipolar lunatic. And you know that's kind of fun together. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a little uh, a little iffy. Do you want to recap David Price versus the Yankees in 2018 real quick for people? In 2018, David Price, 4.1 innings, 12 runs, one numb hand, six home runs, and one phantom, inter- uh, one phantom injury. This was a, a beautiful line that was sent out by our guy Conrad, who was a writer on Bronx Pinstripes, that I tweeted out. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It reminds me of the Priceless MasterCard commercials. Yeah, no, it's good. You have a nice little list, one phantom yeah. injury. Yeah, and Glaber, another three-run homer, his sixth on the season. No, they're hitting the ball out of the dude. Always comes up in big spots. Three-run shots, Glaber's uh, Glaber's specialty. He loves them. What six six three-run shot of the season? Six. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. You're looking at guys on base, big situations, need a big hit, and again, he's just trying to drive the ball, and the ball's going out of the ballpark. That's the beauty about Yankee Stadium when you're playing at home and you're and you're uh, you're barreling up the ball. The the it has a much higher chance of going out. And when you, had, when you get a hot, humid night, the ball flies. Some of those home runs were really impressive. They were staying inside, inside fastballs and driving them the other way yeah. on price. ESPN had some crazy microphones on, uh, on, the, on home plate at the cracks because the first inning when Judge hit that ball, like, my God. That thing went over the moon and back. My God, it sound, that was the loudest crack I've ever heard. And then I started hearing cracks on foul balls, too. But it was, it was ridiculous. The sound of that crack of that bat was unreal. Even Stanton's uh, base hit after that was loud as hell. Well, I mean, sometimes Stanton hits these line drives to the left side. Yeah. And then the one that Judge hit Up almost the middle. killed his former college teammate. Right. Yeah. They're, they, were, I, they were smacking the ball last night. I was actually thinking, like, imagine if, if Judge hits a ball and it hits a pitcher in the head. No, the guy's I, dead. I don't want to think about that. That's bad. Yeah. And he will feel so terrible. Oh, my God. He, he would cry. Yeah. There's no crying in baseball, but Aaron Judge would cry. He's a nice guy. I, think, I don't think anybody would blame him. No. Uh, 
upcoming three against Atlanta. The Braves are surprisingly in first place. They're three games over Philly and six games over Washington. Washington's been really struggling. Uh, Freddie Freeman's having an MVP level season. Nick Markakis is somehow good again. Nick Markakis is having a renaissance. He's always been like a, that solid player, and I think it, this is the best season of his career, though. Eight eighty three OPS. This is the best yeah. season of his I career. Mean, good for Nick Markakis. He's always been that guy who's uh, he's always a, an elite defender with a, a good arm, and he's coming to this Atlanta team, and now he's the veteran guy on this young team. I think he's filling a really big role, and I'm sure he's energized by the. By that youth movement in Atlanta, so it's uh, it's probably fun to play baseball again. I can't imagine it being fun playing for the Orioles as long as he did. <laughs> the Yankees are going to face Annabelle Sanchez, Sean Newcomb, and Julio Tehran. So Tehran has actually finally proven his potential. So yeah, that's going to be a fun series against Atlanta. It is going to be a fun series. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's not one that you circle on the on the schedule very often, but the fact that they are playing well, that they're so young. I think you see a lot of parallels in, in what Atlanta was or Atlanta, what Atlanta is this year to what the Yankees were last year, and exactly. and how uh, you know their young guys are, are coming up, and it's they're probably a year ahead of schedule as far as everybody expectations wise with when these guys were going to uh, to play really well. So it's going to be a fun series, and you better believe Atlanta is going to treat this series as the biggest three game series they've played all season. This is a measuring stick for them against the Yankees no in doubt. the Bronx. Yeah, no so doubt they, they are going to be playing out of their shoes it's kind of like what the Yankees did last year in Chicago against the Cubs yeah going in I know the Yankees aren't the defending champions but they're arguably the best team in baseball right now and they're the Yankees so you're gonna get up for this so Atlanta I think this is gonna be a fun series no I agree plus there's some familiarity with Nick Markakis um, they got a new manager who who's been with Joe Madden for a while and, and you know so there's some familiarity there with the Yankees it's it's definitely going to be a big one. I think you brought up that was a a, a good point in the fact that with it the way that the Yankees last year went into Chicago, it's, I think it's a very similar situation uh, for for Atlanta to come in here. They're definitely going to get up, and Marcakis is going to be leading that charge. You know damn well he is. So this is uh, it's going to be a fun series for sure. You want to give a t-shirt away? Yeah, let's we do this. We've been mailbags? we've been talking about this for uh, for a little while. We've been kind of slacking on the giveaways, so let's uh, let's do that. This one I thought was pretty damn funny. Uh, so again, if you guys like the show, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review, leave a comment in there, leave a review, say what you want, make fun of us, tell us you like the show, whatever it is, uh, just leave that review. We, we, uh, we love looking at them and and seeing how you guys, uh, how you guys like the show. If there's some feedback, it's, it's awesome for us. That's why we do this. We do this because we love it. Um, so if you do love it, please give us a five-star rating review in iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. Okay. This one is a five-star review. From T Sev thirty four, it was left on uh, June sixteenth, so this is a couple weeks ago, and he said it's one person. That's the the name of this review. I'm one hundred percent convinced the show is done by one person at two separate times and put together to make it seem as though it's two separate people. They sound exactly the same. Rotandi, Reinen, one of these names is obviously fake. And if you say you've seen them in person or online, I have a harder time believing that the two men are both Yankees fans with great knowledge and have a podcast with the exact same voices. Don't buy into the nonsense that this man is two separate people. It's a web of lies. Just listen for yourself and you will see deception lies. Come out and tell us the truth. I love it. That's that's one of the best conspiracy theories I've seen can in a Can you time. imagine? I mean, just think about how much work you and I both put into this podcast. Can you, can you imagine how much work it would be for one of us just to act as two people on the podcast for, I, for two hours a week? I can't even, I can't imagine <laughs> the audio editing to, to overlap right. voices occasionally to like just throw enough in there to deceive the listeners. And it's, uh, you know, 
that would be talk, the best catfish talk of all time. about a sociopath <laughs> that <laughs> if we are the same person we i would steer very very far away from so me have you heard you that or whomever have you heard before that we sound similar yes like our voices are similar yes yeah. we've seen and, it in reviews people talk about it often and i think um i think we're doing this is episode 246 we've talked just for hours on end to one another you know how you just start to sound i think you start to sound similar you start to say similar things same inflections similar sayings i think that's what has happened here because i bet if you go back and listen from episode like 1 through 50 maybe i don't think we sound as much alike i don't know but i don't i don't really understand how how you're supposed to change that <laughs> like that we've seen we've seen some bad reviews saying they just sound exactly like i can't i'm like all right okay i don't know how to change that i'm not i you know, could talk with a deeper yeah voice. we could start talking with different voices i mean we could go through like some some audio editing where the voice is changed i guess uh but i guess it is what it is kind of is what it is maybe you could do an accent for us we could do an accent we could start yeah we could start turning some uh so, some different right, everybody tweet at yankees podcast what accent you want scott to do on the next show and he's going to do the entire episode in that a- accent yeah that's that's a good that's a good call that'll last for like 30 <laughs> seconds uh but yeah you know uh, thank you so um t734 shoot us DM a us. Uh, a DM or an email to info at Bronx Pinstripes. That would be preferable if you could do that just because it's hard to see every single DM from all of the social medias. Uh, but do that and I will get you a code for a free t-shirt and appreciate the review. And again, guys, go to iTunes. Please take a minute and do that. It helps us big time in the rankings. Um, more than you know, it helps us. So thank you. So we've got a couple mailbag questions and then after mailbags, there are going to be some voicemails, which will be hot because I mean, there's, there were like 30 to 40 voicemails <laughs> when, when things All go right. bad, people get, ex- get a little, uh, you know, excited and that's right, what happened after right. Sonny Gray. Exactly. All right. First up is Greg. The starting pitching staff has been pretty good recently with the exception of Sonny Gray. At least guys like Loisica and Herman give you a chance to win most nights. Sonny does not. What more would it take for Sonny to get pulled from the rotation? That's where we are with Sonny Gray. People are asking, is he going to get pulled from the rotation? Yeah, I mean, it's been like that for a little bit, I think. I think people I keep seeing DFA, Sonny Gray, all these things. It's not going to happen. I don't think he's going to get pulled from the rotation because of a couple of reasons. One, they need him. They need him to, to bounce back. They need him to work through these these uh these struggles if they if they believe in the player still at all they have to let him keep going out there and fix his problems because there's if if the Yankees do believe that he's that same guy still there's no injury and that he can get back there there's got to be a light at the end of the tunnel so he's got to get to that point you know however long do it you, takes but do you think um well right now obviously because of injuries but Tanaka comes back and is healthy and is pitching good and you still have Loisaga and Herman in there and if they're pitching decently how are you going to look them in the face and say, we're going to throw out a guy who's got a five-plus ERA out there? Because, I mean, that's the thing. There's a, number of, there's a number of issues, unfortunately, that are going to be with the Yankees. And, I mean, who knows what they do at the deadline if it's, um, if it's one or two guys Especially that they pick up. Especially if they add another pitcher. Yeah. And Sonny Gray is still going out there one out of five days and, and doing what he said he's doing, which is not giving the team a chance to win. But you said exactly I mean, the reason. You said exactly the reason. The, the other two options currently are, are, um, are Herman and Loisiga. And we, t- we touched on this last episode. They're both on some kind of a limit, whether it's a pitch count limit, whether it's an innings limit. It's something that's going to be so mad. It's something that's going to be holding them back at the end of the season uh, to, to, the, to the fact that they're probably not going to be able to start... You you know, in the in the last few weeks of the season, we're going to be looking at a, you know a point where you know they may skip a start. But who knows how Could the season we, plays out? You don't know like what the race will look like at the end too. There may be situations where resting is not the worst thing. 
could we get the phantom injury for Sonny Gray? Phantom DL, 10 days, clear your head. I guess. I, I just don't know if that's going to help him at this point because he's still going to come out with the same head <laughs> at the end of it. And, and there's <laughs> he's, just gonna, he's just going to binge watch five seasons uh, of something on yeah. Netflix, come out, all his brains are going to be scrambled. Right. Yeah, his routine will be even worse. And, and you know, who knows what he does in that. Is he going to get better? Is he going to try to get better? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. He might, he might be uh, on FaceTime more often with David Price, which will just you know, escalate the problems. So I, I have no answers to what's going to fix Sonny Gray other than he's just got to get better and, and be tough. And I, uh, I just don't know if that's possible with a, with a nickname like Pickles. I think I know the answer to this, but the playoffs start tomorrow. Sonny Gray doesn't start in a game, right? He might not even make the roster. Uh, I think he'd make the he roster. He makes the roster in the bullpen. He'd make the roster, and they wouldn't designate him as a starter or a bullpen arm. They would just say he's a pitcher on the roster. But no, he's not pitching. I don't know how you can. You're going with four starters, and I don't think he's one of them. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think if you're going with four starters, you're talking about a, a, a seven-game series off the bat, they'll probably throw him at the end of it. Because I, I, don't, I don't think they would want to if they were to set up something. I mean, it's kind of a moot point because the, the fact that one of these guys is so young and we don't have our, our pitcher that we're going to get at the deadline, you know, depending on who it is. It's hard to say that right now. But you know, he's at the back end if he's, if he's considered. Yeah. What's up next? So the next one is, uh, is one of the reasons why he would be bumped. But I know you guys, he's, uh, this is from Brian M. I know you guys aren't the biggest J.A. Jahat fans, uh, but he's actually been pretty good this year. What's your, what is your prospect uh, breaking point for J.A. Hap or J. Hap? I think this is a good question because Hap has been pretty good. If you look at his numbers, he's thrown 97 innings, which would qualify for second on the Yankees staff. 1.06 whip, which is pretty good. I know wins are no longer popular, but he has 10 wins, and the Blue Jays have 39 total wins. So he's won a quarter of their games. We'll only use it when it's, con- when it's convenient for our arguments. I think it's telling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he stayed in the games. It's not like they have a prolific offense to, uh, to, to really just dominate those games. So, uh, you know, I don't know how many runs they've scored he's in not, those 10 wins. but He's not starting games one or two of a postseason series for you, but he's probably starting game three, and he's a lot more stable than than Sonny Gray. He's a lot more stable yeah. than Loisica and Herman. No, and, and I don't think it's a. I'm not. I'm not a against uh, Jay Happ at all. Like I think he's a good pitcher. I think he could absolutely help this team. Uh, I think. I think. Um, you know what it is is that he's just not the most exciting guy. He's not the. He's not the big number one guy that people would get really he's pumped up for. The Madison Bumgarner. But, name that's coming that's, in to save the Yankee season, but I think that's unrealistic. It is unrealistic. It's 100% unrealistic. This is the guy who I think they were, they've been targeting for a while. This is the guy that I've expected to be on this team at some point. If it's not Jay Happ, it's a guy like Jay Happ because they're not going to go out, I don't think, at this point to looking at who's available to get the Madison Bumgarners, to get a Jacob DeGrom, which I, I think is unrealistic, which I had many discussions with, with, uh, with people at the event on Friday. I just don't think it's a, uh, I don't think it's a realistic thing. And a guy like Jay Happ against the Blue Jays, you know the Blue Jays are selling off. We already saw they got rid of a guy like Steve Pierce in the division, so they don't care about that. And, and Jay Happ is, you know, the perfect target. Right, but the thing with Happ is he's a total rental because he's a free agent after this year. And I don't think they're going to give him away, especially give him away to the Yankees and potentially contribute to a World Series. So what? I think it's a good question. What's the prospect breaking point? You're not giving up anybody on the Major League roster. That's obvious. Oh, well, yeah. You're not giving up any of your your blue chip guys either. You're not giving up a, obviously not Florial. It's going to be or some just to Sheffield. It's going to be. A, Would you trade Chance Adams? No, I don't. Well. No, I don't think so. I don't think they would even ask for Chance Adams at this point. But I think it's going to be some lower level pitchers. 
That's what I think. Because the what's the point in in the Blue Jays coming up and and getting some guys that are ready to contribute next year? They they well, can, they, they just want the best players they can possibly. They get. want they more even players. Said too. last night, Buster only said on, on the broadcast, Jay Happ is going to get moved, but the price is not cheap. No, I agree with that. And and maybe Chance Adams is the is a guy that they'll have in the package. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to get as many. It's, it's going to be a buckshot for the Blue Jays more than it's going to be than the you know the, so, the top like, level guys. Four guys and they four lower level guys and they say okay well if two of them pan out fantastic exactly because they're at that point they know they're not going to be competing within the next probably two to three years at this point point. And, and you think guys like uh, Billy McKinney or Tyler Wade who we've seen briefly in the majors yeah. who clearly are uh, have progressed enough where they can get calls up but don't really have a place on this roster you don't think those guys would be involved as just like add-ins to sweeten the deal. No, I think they can be absolutely as add-ins. I think that's the, the 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 kind of guy that you look at a young guy, a position player that that could uh, that could blossom into something. But I still think I still th- I think you're going to see some lower level pitchers that have, um, you know, more of a uh, you know like a penny stock feel in the sense that it could boom at any moment. Like I feel like that's the guys as well. If their scouting department is going to get into the weeds of the Yankees. Uh, farm system that those are some of the guys that you're you're going to be looking at ones that can that can that can definitely help and it would be a package I I think I mean I think if I'm the if I'm the Blue Jays that's what I'm looking at I'm looking at like max potential how can I max this deal out in three years like in three years who can I have that I have the best opportunity to uh, to to contribute at the major league level and that's the kind of deal I think we're gonna and and absolutely that's a, a great deal for the Yankees because you know those are guys that they have and they can take those shots. I just think it's always difficult when you're trading with a division rival. Yeah. I mean, Steve Pierce is, I'm, I'm not going to compare the two because they're not remotely comparable, but you know, he's a, he's a, a, a good solid position bench player for, for the Red Sox going down. I, I think that was a, a very solid move by Dombrowski. Actually, it's a guy who has a lot of experience in the major leagues. He's, he's been a Yankee killer for his career. Uh, and you know, they had no problems trading him within. I think those are, those are the types of pieces that can absolutely contribute to a team um, when you're talking about, like, you know, when you're looking at championship caliber teams, you see those, yeah, but those, those, like, those position guys, those, those guys that come over in the middle, that could play big roles. I get it; they can play big roles, but but Hap would be a bigger role. Oh, no doubt, he would. Pierce's on the socks. I'm not comparing them as far as value. I'm just saying that the Blue Jays have no problem going in division. But yes, it will take a bigger, uh, a bigger package. I, I don't know how I don't know how Chance Adams is looked at at this point across. Baseball. Well, let, let's because read the next cap, question. His cap has really gone down. Yeah. The next question is a, a good um, transition. It's from Ivy at I am Joey G on Twitter. What are the chances of Chance Adams or Sheffield being called up if there are no good trades available for pitchers? So he's asking about call up. Yeah. But we were just talking about them if they could be in trade packages. I think it's fair to ask both. So you're looking at these two guys, and they've gone opposite directions. Sheffield was a guy that they needed to see at the AAA level, and and you know he had been in AA, got hurt for a little bit last year, so they need to see him, um, you know how he's going to adapt. And they're taking their time with Justice Sheffield. I don't think he's on the block right now at all, unless they're unless they're getting a number one guy somewhere. Then maybe you could hear Justice Sheffield's name, but for a guy like Jay Happ, not happening. Chance Adams Sheffield's their number one t- uh, pitching, pitching prospect. prospect. At, at this point, Chance Adams has gone the opposite way. He's pitching almost to a five ERA, just got under five, and he's still walking a ton of guys. And that's so the biggest walks. knock on him. He's he's he doesn't have the command, and unless he gets that command, he's not coming up to the big leagues. It's thirty three walks in seventy innings. It's too much. And <laughs> that number is not going to get better when he comes to the major leagues. Look at uh, Loisica. 
he had such a tremendous K to walk ratio in the minors. Yeah. And then it got a little worse when he came up, and that's understandable. So if Chance Adams is already walking 33 guys in 70 innings, that's just going to get a hell of a lot worse when he's pitching in the majors. Yeah, his his stock has gone the other way for sure. And, you know, maybe there's a, a GM out there who says that, you know, he sees something and, and uh, you know, along with his scouting team that this isn't the real Chance Adams uh, and that he's just having a bad year. But his stock is down and his value is down from what it was last year, 100%. Um, Sheffield and what I'm up. seeing with one more quick thing on Adams and it, it juxtaposes Sheffield because Adams a lot of walks Sheffield also has a lot of walks but look at the numbers the numbers are pretty good because he doesn't give up a lot of hits no one's hitting him hard he's putting a lot of guys on bases so he's beating himself Chance Adams is also giving up hits so that tells me the stuff is not playing as to what maybe they thought it was or what it was doing last year yeah, the other thing about when you're looking at Sheffield contributing this year, and this is the similar a similar situation to what the Yankees are in currently with Herman and Loisiga, is is that Sheffield, if he were to pitch well and he were earned a call up or whatever, you're not going to see him most likely come in and throw substantial innings because he's probably going to be on some kind of a limit anyway as well. He's a, a guy that that hasn't had a ton of innings on his arm in a given year, so the Yankees are going to be careful with him coming up and they're not just going to throw him in and he's going to be starting games at the end of the season even if he's pitching well I could see him coming up as a as a call up um, if he's still going well or if you know need be if there's are injuries but there are definitely other guys down there that, that could be options so I wouldn't expect a lot from Sheffield this year I think we're circling 2019 for Sheffield for for like major con- contributions to the Yankees impromptu mailbag question from Andrew at the beach in Rhode Island could Justice Sheffield get called up and take uh, uh, Shreve's role as the lefty out of the bullpen? See, you're 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 looking at a, a situation there that you're not you're putting in a guy in a, in a totally two very different scenarios. One, major leagues. Two, out of the bullpen to come in as a uh, a spot reliever. I don't see them doing that. Yeah, I don't see them doing it either. But I I just think that um, can we can we screen these can we screen those mailbags a little bit better? It would be interesting if he does get a call up late in the season yeah. and he has an innings limit. If he's going to have an innings limit, then maybe that's a role that they could use him. Yeah, they could. I mean, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm definitely not ruling that out. But uh, it, it would be. I don't think it would be an immediate thing. Like they would come. He would be able to come in, and um, I, I do think he's going to get the call up, depending on the innings limit. If there is, you know, a huge limit on him, uh, he's not a big guy. He's a lefty. The way he throws, like I can only imagine that they're not going to push their limits with Justice Sheffield. Yeah, and you just said this, I believe, but circle him for spring training 2019. No doubt. That's, that's when he's going to be. Uh, he'll, he will make a run at the rotation at that point. All right, what's the last question? Last is from uh, Josh Pizer at Pizer underscore Josh. Do you think Loisigo or Herman could be a potential trade piece? <laughs> quick answer, yes. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll say quick answer, no. And the reason is because we still need them. <laughs> uh, unless they're. But if you're getting a pitcher back, a more established pitcher, I could see... Again, not for I don't think they would be talking about those guys for Jay Happ, but if it's for a more long term pitching option, I could see Cashman exploring that. It, he's definitely going to explore it. He explores everything, which is why I love him. But I, I just I don't see it. it. It's almost like you know you're, you're you're taking away from the team to add to the team. And unless you're getting somebody that's that's significant uh, of an upgrade and is relatively controlled. Um, and you get somebody else too, because now you're down a pitcher as well. You're 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 taking a pitcher away from uh, from your roster who's currently contributing. So uh, that that's definitely an issue. And one of the things that Cashman came out and said yesterday was, you know, th- that he right now could pull the trigger 
on some big deals for pitchers. And he said that other GMs have said, if you offer X package, I will pull the trigger right now. We've said that all along. But he's come out and said the prospects to get any pitcher they want. Right. But do they want to do that? That's the thing. They're not because he doesn't want to make that deal. But he's saying they're there. Like they are current offers on the table. But he doesn't want to pull the trigger because it's not what he wants. You, of course. Give me Glaber Torres and I'll give you X. But no thanks. Glaber Torres. I mean, is- that's the extreme. It could be a lot. It could be. It, it could go a little bit further than that. I, I think there's still a, a very high priority, I think, for Cashman to, con- to control the young nucleus of this team. And, and, and some of these and other guys in the take away from the major league roster. Yes. That's the key. Right. You're, you're trying to win a World Series this year. It does not help you if you take away Miguel Andujar. That that. That is not a net benefit. That's cutting off your nose to spite your face. Look what it reminds me of. What um, remember what Oakland did? Billy Bean, your guy, Billy Bean, My guy. when he traded away Cespedes to get John Lester, and it was unnecessary. And they took away that cleanup hitter, and that team totally tanked a couple years ago. Hall of Fame, like, GM. Well, Hall of Fame GM, right there. Why what, are what you trading move? away a key piece, a key cog to your machine to add a different cog? Yeah, it just depends on the return. That's the thing. I think that's you're looking at a guy like um, Andujar, and I've talked about him as as that wild card potential. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that was the guy that was moved because it's not your top guy in Torres. You do have another young guy uh, that could slot over to third base. It just wouldn't be the most surprising thing to me. He's he's probably at the uh, he, he's at a very high point in his career right now. Like the prospects are through the roof right now. I think higher than they've ever been. So I think his value is higher than it's that is ever been you know maybe ever will be so that would not surprise me but you're gonna have but to it, get a ridiculous return back to the pitcher you're getting back exactly. it needs to be a front end pitcher that's controlled the, that's which is a unicorn right <laughs> all right guys thank you for the mailbag questions to submit questions go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast you can tweet us at yankees podcast and join the facebook group the Bronx Pinstripe Show in Facebook. You can post questions there or just reply to uh, all the stuff that's going on during the games. We have voicemails coming up, like I said. But, Scott, any last words? Just I'm glad that the, the Yankees came out with this, uh, this, this, last, uh, this last win against Boston. It was big. Um, like we said, this, this coming series is uh, – hopefully there's no hangover from the Boston series because the, the Braves are definitely going to, uh, to come with it. And I'm looking forward to listening to these voicemails because I think they're going to be hilarious. And as everybody knows – we don't edit. We, we edit them for length sometimes because some of you guys just like you know are a little long in the tooth with the way that we're talking. But we don't bleep anything out. It would take way too damn long. This is just raw. There would be too many emotions. bleeps. I mean, Sunny Gray. It would be what he did. Was just one big for bleep ten fest minutes on Saturday. Yeah. So this is. Uh, I think it's a solid ten minutes of uh, of fan <laughs> voicemails, most likely bitching about Sunny Gray and some excitement sprinkled in there from last night. So enjoy. And maybe, and maybe turn down your headphones volume because. <laughs> might get loud talk to you guys in a few days believe it or not george isn't at home please leave a message at the beep i must be out before i pick up the phone where could i be (laughs) believe it or not i'm not home what the fuck is with sonny gray he should be goddamn shot Nobody wants him, nobody likes him, he's an asshole, get him off our fucking team. Are you fucking kidding me, Sonny Gray? The first fucking inning? You're really about to fucking blow this and make us go trade and do hard for fucking... Ugh. Better not fuck this shit in the playoffs, Sonny Gray. 
Sonny Gray is a bum. Get him out of New York. He's a bum. Can't stand him. I was happy when we traded for him, but he just can't cut it in New York, man. Get him out of here. He belongs in Cincinnati, back in Oakland, whatever. Get rid of him. Sorry. I mean, listen, you know, Sonny Gray has the stuff. And he's got the stuff to be a really good pitcher in this league and for this team. And it's really frustrating that he just can't pitch at Yankee Stadium. I don't know what it is. On the road, he seems to pitch fine. When he's at Yankee Stadium, he has the stuff. But he just keeps giving up runs. I, it might honestly be the ballpark. I don't know what it is. But Sonny Gray, man, got to get your shit together, dude. Uh, I, I, God damn. Fuck Sonny Gray. Fuck his sister. Fuck his mama. And his fucking grandma, too. God damn. I mean, fuck. This is a motherfucker. This motherfucker can't pitch. It's that simple. Fuck. I'm a dumbass. And I know that. Shit. What more do they need to see? I mean, god damn. Just look at him. So bitch can't play baseball. Get his ass out of here. Take, take a, take a half a bucket of balls for you. Anything. Gosh, damn, get him gone. It's sad when you trust two rookies. Way better than Sonny Gray. You know, last year when we uh, traded for Sonny Gray, I was ecstatic. I thought we were gonna win every start he went out to throw the ball for us. And about a year later, I have an anxiety attack every time he gets the ball. Uh, total disrespect on the Yankees' part, giving him number 55, next class to the World Series MVP. Miss him so much. Um, I, I just don't know how much more we're going to put up with this. He He's proven, but you know what? He just, is he shown he cannot play to New York City? And I think we should part ways with him. 6-0 right now in the second inning. Sonny fucking great. Alright, that's all I have. Go Yanks. It's unfucking believable I mean, the guy can't even pitch. It's just, it's just sad. I don't know if he gets nervous at the ballpark or if he just doesn't, he's not ready for the big moment. I don't know what it is, but this guy needs to be off our team. Maybe just give him some time off. Take day, 10-day deal, something like that. Just, he really needs a break. Um, when Tanaka comes back, I think they should send him down, maybe refine his form. I don't know if he even has a form, but really bad, really important game for first place. He shouldn't be out there. I'd, I'd rather send anybody to the mound except this guy. Sonny Gray is so trash, bro. Matter of fact, he's so ass. He's not even trash. The man is ass. I'm done with this fucking dude, man. He needs to fucking go. Let's trade him for fucking popcorn. Don't even matter to me. I'm just done with this fucking dude. I can't see him in the Bronx anymore. Sonny Gray, I hate you so much. Today, well, this was my birthday week, and you ruined it. I hope you're happy. Sonny Gray, you goddamn coward. Cece goes out on Friday night, pitches a hell of a game, had some record like 12 and all after Yankees losses. The man nuts up, takes the ball, and does his fucking job. And what do you do? Nothing. Biggest start of your Yankees season so far? Nothing. I cannot handle looking at your face. 
hearing your goddamn voice, hearing the excuses, pathetic. Go away. Where do we even start with this guy, man? Like, 9.35 ERA since we signed him. 9.35. Not a good look. I don't know what else to say other than it's unacceptable that this guy is our number two starter. This is, this is our second best guy. What the fuck? This is the first time I'm calling this fucking hotline and I'm fucking pissed. Fucking Sonny Gray not even giving this fucking team a chance in it and these batters swinging like they're fucking little leaguers and they look awful. Turn this fucking thing around because this is fucking painful. Fuck this. I don't know what it is with Sonny Gray, but let's put it this way. The Yankees should really consider getting a second starting pitcher on top of the one they were already trying to get. I don't have any confidence in really in the pitching staff except Severino and because Tanaka's kind of a mess. So I would really, if I was Brian Cashman, I would seriously consider looking for a second starter because it will really benefit the Yankees in the long run, especially this postseason. Thanks, guys. What's up, fellas? It's your boy, Lynn Frazier. Long time, no talk. Let me tell you something right now. This Sonny Gray, I've never in my 33 years of life on this planet seen a man put on a Yankee jersey and be a bigger fraud than this guy is. He is terrible. I want him off my team. I want him gone. I don't want him I, just, just gone. Can, can we trade him to Korea? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, can, can, and anything. Anything. This guy, just get him out. Get him out of the country. This guy, this guy is a disgrace to the sport of baseball. Jesus. Guys, Lynn Frazier again. I'm sorry. I just saw the stat. It boggles my mind. Sonny Gray's got the highest ERA at home in the history of the New York fucking Yankees. The highest. The highest. He just beat out the world beater Jared Wright <laughs> for number one all time. He said, said, said he's going to be. That's the only thing he's going to be at the top of his entire worthless career. This, I mean, this is just. It's it's mind boggling. How does this guy? How can this guy get up in the morning? How can he look himself in the fucking mirror? He just saw his buddy Cece the night before nut up, balls of steel. What does he do today? He shits the bed. He doesn't just shit the bed, he pisses the bed, and if for some reason he pours gasoline on it, he lights it on fire. In his post-game interview, he's going to be on the verge of tears, like he always fucking is, talking about, oh, I thought I had good stuff today. I'm done. You got World Series aspirations. We don't have time for this shit. Call the Giants. Tell them you want Bumgarner and start the trade package with Sonny frickin' Gray. Say, what prospects do you want with Sonny? Because we can't use him, and let's try and... You know what? Forget that. Forget the San Francisco Giants. Call up the New York Giants and ask them what they want for Saquon frickin' Barkley because his tree trunk ass size could throw better than Sonny Gray does at Yankee Stadium. Done with this dude. I was his biggest fan. I argued for him nonstop until now. Bye-bye, Sonny. Time for you to go. Sonny Gray is the worst pitcher I've ever seen. I, I, he's every single start. It, it's like watching paint dry, and then once you get finished watching paint dry, someone runs over your house, and you have to watch it over and over again. He's, he, I, I can't take it anymore. I don't know how this fucking Sonny Gray walks at the Yankee Stadium every day. Fuck, I don't know how he sleeps at night. Cashman's got to do something.
Oh yeah, and fuck Justin Verlander in that fucking Flonase commercial. Hey, Ben Strikers is Eric from Syracuse, and uh, I'm glad the Yankees juggled their pitching rotation around so you guys at least have got to see a good game and not the uh, sucky Sonny Gray. I guess to uh, steal a quote from Dennis Green, he is who we thought he was. God, that was so predictable, I could have bet my left nut they would have given up a grand slam in first inning. Oh well, 72-0 win Sunday with head case David Price, so good. Talk to you later. Bye. I flew a thousand miles to watch Sonny Gray take a shit on the Yankee Stadium pitching mound today. Not good. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Yo, I was seeing that at the restaurant while I was working, and y'all, we own David Price. He's a little punk-ass bitch who plays too much Fortnite and is scared to go against his offense, and he realized right now that we are the daddies. Who's your daddy? Go Yankees, baby, let's go. Gotta love Aaron Hicks in that leadoff spot. Three dangers against the Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. Let's fucking go. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.